The following is a Cast Wave Studios production. Captain Sean Holmes. And I'm Yeoman's Assistant Third Class Jordan Hazelwood. Together, we are exploring the episode number 10 of the original series, Dagger of the Mind. And we're not looking forward to it, but we're going to have to do it anyway because we're going in order, guys. Engage! Well, hello. You are listening to the Prime Directive. I'm Sean Holmes, and then uh, across from me is uh, Jordan Hazelwood once again. Mm-hmm. Um, you've joined us for uh, episode 10. Um, well, uh, Dagger the Mind, uh, we'll get to that in a moment. I um, may take a moment to say um, I, I appreciate that you said that you're not looking forward to it because, um, I mean,. I, I utterly despise this episode. It's part of the reason why I wanted to be here today. But, I, I, um, I, 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 I'm not certain if, if if you feel the same as as I do, but I, you know, I I wasn't looking really looking forward to it. That uh, you you have in the past not shown, um, I guess, uh, not ill will towards this episode, and I wasn't really looking forward to it. And but upon seeing it, um. I understand a little bit, but not to the extent of what, why you hate it. And we'll, we'll get your thoughts mm-hmm. on that in uh, just a second, but um, you know, after the break. But before we do that, let's talk. And Jordan, you noticed I have a lot of uh, my, 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 my sound effects are mainly mm-hmm. just, you know. You know, that is really getting annoying. Galaxy mm-hmm. Quest. I mean, I mean. Yeah. I, 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 I heard that. Turned inside out and it exploded. That, yeah, mm-hmm. so you noticed that. So let's talk about Galaxy Quest. Yeah, I, I uh, was fortunate enough to to uh, catch showing of this movie at um, our social club's uh, usual Wednesday uh, movie nights uh, recently, and um, you know I I saw this uh, this movie in theaters you know zonks ago, like twenty years ago or so, and I, I certainly remember liking it. I mean, I, I was barely I, I barely remembered all you know all the quote and quotables and everything about it though. But uh, now that I now that I saw it again uh, after uh, having digested quite a lot more Star Trek in the intervening uh, years, um, I'm kind of I'm pretty much prepared to say that uh, that is one of the finest spoof movies of all time. It really it, it is. is up there with Airplane. It it and it's so I it captures every note about about TOS and even even TNG mm-hmm. um, from equipment. Mm-hmm. To uh, I guess mm-hmm. I guess you mentioned before when we were uh, mm-hmm. reviewing episode Miri when we were talking about that um, he had it upside he had the tricorder yeah the, uh, man uh, the, there's uh, I'm sorry I'm just uh, I'm kind of bursting at the seams about what, what to talk about myself um, I feel like you know like Airplane one thing one thing that film critics always say about Airplane is that you do not need to be familiar with all of the the the, the tidal wave of airport disaster movies that flooded the 70s in order to enjoy the spoof movie. But and the same is absolutely true with uh, Galaxy Quest to Star Trek. I mean, granted, Star Trek is so has permeated our, our pop culture so much that pretty much everybody knows at least the broad strokes of it. Exactly. But um, there. But man, in Galaxy Quest, like every little scene and every little line of dialogue is in some way a reference to, to Star Trek, whether or not you realize it. Like um, you, what you refer to is that. Um, in the one scene in which um, uh, Alan Rickman's character, who is basically the Spock of of the team, 
uh, get, you know, gets to use a real working tricorder, he holds it upside down. And apparently that's a reference to the fact that, uh, that Leonard Nimoy uh, frequently forgot what end was up on his tricorder for, <laughs> throughout the first season of the, of, of the show. He showed it, he showed it like, fa- like last episode, he showed it face out like, uh, like it was like on QVC or something. Like he was showing it, that he's presenting it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like me holding my smartphone like this. Like, there, 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 <laughs> there is there is kind of a screen on that thing, and there's no way he could see it from the way he was holding it. So <laughs> it looked kind of awkward, honestly. Um, this is some of the other small things from Galaxy Quest. So there is the scene in which um, at the at the Galaxy Quest convention, uh, Tim Allen's character, who is basically the the Captain Kirk of uh, of his show, Obviously. is just in the bathroom, and he overhears some some snarky teenage. Kid kids you know bitch and moan about how pathetic he looks out there it's like oh he's never gonna get another uh, uh get another acting gig again oh, how pathetic her <laughs> her um apparently that actually happened to shatner at like the first ever star trek convention <laughs> uh yeah uh or how about when uh, sigourney weaver's character who was roughly the uhura of this of this team uh she says uh you know uh you know, she complains that she never really had a character on the show. Um, all I ever did was just repeat what the computer said to me. And you know, and TV Guide recently released a, a six-paragraph article about how great my boobs looked in my jumpsuit. <laughs> so apparently, uh, if IMDb's trivia page is, is to be trusted, and why shouldn't it be? But while uh, while I think it was originally it was Harold Ramis who wrote the first um, wrote the first draft of the script. While he was writing it. TV Guide actually had an article about Jerry Ryan's boobs, Seven of Nine from Voyager. <laughs> I mean, she was pretty hot. Um, I mean, yeah. So well, just, I, I could keep going like that. But this <laughs> is like basically every other. Um, it's the, the 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 satire is so incredibly dense, but it's going to pass over, you know, all but the most diehard of of of, of, of Trekkers' heads. But that doesn't make it any less funny. I mean, you. St- I mean, it's still, it's still. Uh, even from my outside point of view, like you don't know anything about Star Trek. Uh, at least at that point where they're they're actors. I mean, the preference on the movie minus the, minus any Star Trek, they're actors fulfilling their roles mm-hmm. in, in real time. That's always a funny premise to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least at least just just uh, just to kind of view it for like not even caring to view it. Um, but the fact that they, you know, poke so much fun at, at a lot of these in in jokes, especially uh, especially when they're <laughs> really cracks me up was when they're going through uh, kind of the sub level uh, decks and uh, they get to like the chompers. Yeah, there, there, <laughs> there just happens to be a hallway that has you know crushing pistons <laughs> running at all times. <laughs> For no reason but to provide a thrilling gauntlet for them to pass when uh, um, when they when they are uh, racing to reach a certain area, and Sigourney Weaver just cannot stop yammering about how poorly conceived this all is. Whoever wrote this episode should die. It just it was really funny that that kind of like the difference between what was on the actual episode of the Galaxy Quest show in. In the in the show, uh, they were showing the old screen of them like dodging like this just styrofoam block that just kind of dropped. They didn't even touch the ground; just kind of lifted back up. And mm-hmm. then they see the real version, and it's just like these metal clanks. It's just mm-hmm. just real, real horrible mess. <laughs> Crushed a gun. I mean, <laughs> um, at one point, uh, not Kirk has to fight a rock monster, which the actual Kirk wanted to do in in uh, in Star Trek V: The Final <laughs> Frontier. <laughs> Uh, like Grognak, nice. uh, uh, something, uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Grognak. Oh, what else is? What, there's just so much else to talk about. So oh, I see you managed to take your shirt off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, um, um, Alan Rickman's just just growing hatred over uh, over how uh, uh, how Tim Allen gets gets all the credit for everything they do. Or or is is this the this disposition towards um. His his uh, his one line that everyone loves, but he absolutely <laughs> hates. <coughs> by by Grandfather's hammer, what a savings! My Grandfather's <laughs> hammer, what a savings! I <laughs> uh, just I, I love the fact that you know he he is so uh, Alan Rickman is very much in his I'm not Spock uh, era at this point, <laughs> and he, he is he is so. Uh, um, 
just just frustrated and distasteful about how this role has has completely um, dominated his uh, uh, his his, uh, his thespian aspirations. And yet, I, lo- I just I remember one scene that just killed me back when I when I first saw this movie twenty years ago was when Sigourney Weaver calls him up after hours and he's just hanging out in his in, in, his, in his hotel room. <laughs> he's got like a robe on. He's got like a silk robe on, and still he still his... has the fins on his head. Still, yeah, he's just like kicking the fridge it, open. It's like I, I have expected <laughs> to find out later that that he was just born that way, and that's what got him this role. But no, I, I'm I'm guessing it's just. It, <laughs> I'm guessing it's just it's so hard to adhere that thing to his head that because the convention lasted three days he just he just slept with the thing on <laughs> just slept it on there I, screw I, it I can't I can't quite place it but it just that scene just made me crack up <laughs> <laughs> he still just couldn't just he still couldn't bring himself to, home. he just he just couldn't bring himself to take his ears off when he when he got home um, it's like it's like Spock like not leaving his ears on. Now, that's a shame. It's really a testament to how good of an actor Alan Rickman was mm-hmm. uh, that he, he could basically, you know, through acting, tell, you know, display to you that he was a, an actor in this role that he absolutely despised. He didn't even want to be there, and he did that. Like, I, I he's just he was an amazing actor, and it's, mm-hmm. it's a shame we a shame we lost him. Mm-hmm. But but uh, he was much more comfortable being a wizard than he was a, an alien. It seems. Yeah. Um. What else was there? Um, okay. Uh, all right, uh, Sam Rockwell's role as Guy, Guy who is a, he was a easily disposable red shirt. I did episode. He died in episode eighty-one. <laughs> um, I have to say, I my apologies to Mr. Sam Rockwell. I actually thought that was Will Wheaton, but I, I, I guess that 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 would have been flying a little too close to the sun, though. No, if they no, had actually cast I, Will Wheaton in that role. No, no. When when I I I, I watched it, I thought he was like. He was just basically being every like red shirt that dies in like the mm-hmm. the, the second no, no, and oh, third no, oh, season. Oh no, I know. It's just, I, I could have sworn my brother thought that that was Will Wheaton cast as. Uh, oh yeah, in, you mean yeah in that in that role, and I, I guess I just kind of uh, assumed that because they because they, they, they did have their own Wesley. <laughs> they did. They did. Um, I mean, maybe he was he was there as, as kind of the both aspects of, of those those characters that. Uh, you don't really, mm-hmm. you know, pe- people uh, that don't really don't really watch the show mm-hmm. don't really notice. Yeah, I, I think of of all the cast members, the 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 one who was the most veteran Star Trek actress was actually Justin Long's uh, long suffering mother. <laughs> she 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 was in like several episodes of uh, of Next Generation. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> oh man, so so yeah, there there these there's this race of squid aliens who couldn't quite uh, grasp the fact that that. That the show was was uh, fictional, and so there are historical accounts. So that they they literally resculpted their entire society around it, much like uh, us nerds kind of kind of act like we do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the, thir- so, the so Thermians when, were, were fantastic. Dwight Dwight's in this, like the guy who plays. Uh, I don't know. I, oh, 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 that's from right. From the office. Uh, Rain Wilson. Yeah, Rain Wilson's mm-hmm. in this as, as a Thermian. And uh, and the leader of the Thermians, Mathazar, who does a fantastic job speaking melodiously but monotone. Speaking it, melodiously uh, but monotone. Yeah, was, you're, you're much better at it than me. Thank uh, you. you. You might remember him as Jared Fogel from Deadpool. Yes, yes, <laughs> he, he was, he was, I was, I was like, when I first, when I saw Deadpool, I was like, oh, the Thermian. Hidden and exploded. <laughs> oh my gosh! And also, um, um, from just just shoot me, the photographer from just shoot me was uh, was the lead uh, lead Thermian. Uh, the only person I know from just shoot me is of course Colin's old car. Uh, yeah, David Spade. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it was oh, just. Oh well, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, we could seriously just go on. I, uh, you could. I mean, you. I really. You really could. I mean, it, it's it's just a great it's a great movie. I I mean, I want to watch. I'm honestly, I want to watch it after after um, we get done here. But we probably I, have only going nowhere to record. <laughs> I, I, I know I know the the guys from Prometheus would have really benefited from having uh, uh from having Sam Rockwell on, on the team. So like saying like, don't go. There's is there air? You don't know. <laughs> don't take off your helmets. <laughs> is there air? Oh, Tony Shaloub, the Shaloub, yes. the great yep. Shaloub, who plays you know in Monk. Like a complete opposite character, where you know he's like, uh, like you know, uh, OCD and everything. He's, he's, and, very, he's and very high strong. Very high strong. And this, he's the most relaxed person 
ever. He's just like, he's like, is there air? And he goes, <laughs> and turns around, seems to be okay. <laughs> just like, like just very yeah, you, blase. You, 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 have, you have to appreciate how well adjusted he is to the whole, uh, to, the, to this whole ordeal. And okay, so, so, so Tony thing. Shalhoub is, uh, let, me, let me see if I can follow this correctly. So he's of Lebanese descent. Yeah. And so he's playing an actor named Fred Kwan, who is playing a character named like Tech Sergeant Chen. So he's a Lebanese guy playing a Korean who later reveals to not actually be Korean playing a Chinese guy. Yeah. Now, from what I understand, this was this is in somewhat of a reference to uh, the uh, I think it was the producer's original plans to hire a white guy to be Sulu. Is that right? Yeah. Well, like I only like uh yeah. Yeah, I think you're correct about that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I remember Breakfast at Tiffany's. I remember Kung Fu. I, I would not put that past a, a old school Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is a mixing bowl. <laughs> no, it's not a mixing bowl. That's kind of the point. <laughs> Sarcastically. Uh, um, but I, I think the one part that really cracked me up that mentions his name is when they're introducing all the characters when they're on the board of the ship and they just like they're whispering his his name like like it's like like they're so happy he's like and tech sergeant jen tech sergeant jen tech sergeant <laughs> background that, I don't know, that one that particular moment i just rolled just in laughter just everything had to be uh repeated guy guy <laughs> yeah so the and I, I also remember cracking up at the very last scene of the show when, when they uh, they get renewed because for saving the universe and everything. They they're, they're rewarded by ha- being able to have a show again, 18 years after it originally uh, ended. Which of our I believe there is an 18 year gap between uh, the original series and Next Generation. But uh, so they bring on Guy Fliegman as <laughs> was it Security Chief Rock Ingersoll. <laughs> One of the best names ever. <laughs> Rock Ingersoll. Just just behind Staff Sergeant Max Fightmaster. <laughs> okay, granted, Staff Sergeant Max Fightmaster has the advantage because he actually exists in the, in our world, but uh, still. Um, <laughs> oh Lord! Well, like uh, we could get to talking about this all day, but unfortunately, uh, we got we have a podcast to run. And we have a studio to okay. keep with. So, uh, oh, real quickly, apparently, also on IMDb's trivia page, they said that uh, that the official ranking by by the the Star Trek fandom, uh, what is it, Memory Alpha um, uh, site, is that if you count Galaxy Quest as a Star Trek movie, it is the seventh best Star Trek movie. Which kind of offends me a little bit. I'd put it in the top three. But, uh, <laughs> oh no, no, that's my top three. Mm-hmm. That's definitely I. I would count that as a Star Trek movie. I, I'd say Wrath of Khan, then First Contact, then Galaxy Quest, <laughs> then uh, I guess, I guess uh, Undiscovered Country. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, on, on that note, um, uh, we'll be right back, and then we'll. Uh, Dive in this episode ten, Miri. Uh, not Mary. I mean, Dagger of the Mind. I'm sorry. Uh, these episodes are starting to blur together for me. So uh, be right back. Today's episode of Prime Directive is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible.com has thousands upon thousands of audiobooks. Enjoy one free audiobook by clicking the link in the episode description. If you like 80s nostalgia, I highly recommend Ready Player One, as read by Will Wheaton. Again, get a free audiobook by clicking the link in the episode description. This is Sean Holmes for Audible.com. All right, well, we're back, and uh, thank you for uh, staying in, staying tuned. Uh, we have to uh, review episode 10, Dagger of the Mind. Which is appropriately named, because it certainly felt like I was getting stabbed in the head while watching this. Yes, um, very, um, there's a lot of lot of O-faces in this one. Um, yeah, that, that doesn't really factor in, uh, um, uh, into my opinion, but... Um, well, how do you want to go about this? You know, should, should, I, should I give a uh, plot synopsis? Um, yes. Yes. Well, um, so the episode starts with uh, the Enterprise uh, dropping off some supplies to a space insane asylum. And I, I don't recall the Enterprise being used for courier runs, but I guess 
while they're out there, they may as well. So needless to say, a uh, violent inmate uh, stows himself aboard uh, the, the return um, cargo boxes and, and causes all told havoc. So while he's being restrained on the ship, then, um, uh, then Captain Kirk and Dr. Helen Noel who is the a the brand new uh, psychiatrist character? She's she's really kind of a proto counselor Troy, wouldn't you say? Uh, I I will say, and she is lovely, Hello. very 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 lovely. Mm-hmm. I, I I I like her very much. Well, she's very I'm, very cute. I I I'm I'm pretty sure it's been said by several uh, tell all books that every uh, every actress who was on who was on the show, uh, had to sleep with Roddenberry first, and he has discerning tastes. He's very good at discerning tastes. Very, very good. Um, so, uh, so they meet with the, uh, with the big boss of the, uh, of the uh, Space Insane Asylum, Dr. Adams, who is like, uh, don't worry about that one crazy guy. Uh, he, 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 he's, he, uh, he just took uh, one too many rides on the, on the neural neutralizer machine, which we use to, uh, to cure uh, you know, violently insane people by basically just rewriting their minds like uh, like program in a, uh, in, a, uh, in a computer code. So, so it's, more, it's more like a hard drive of the mind because it's mm-hmm. rewriting everything. Pretty much, yes. Yeah. So they, they, they defragged him too hard. But, um, but uh, Spock and, and McCoy don't quite buy this story, so uh, Spock goes on what we believe to be the first ever instance of the Vulcan mind meld, which is... They hadn't quite worked the kinks out of it yet, or or there 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 are quite a lot of kinks in it because man, does he violate this guy's personal space to a and to a slash ficky sort of friendly degree? Would you say? Um, yeah, and I actually have a clip of that Vulcan mind meld, um, and he's really close up on him. I mean, uncomfortably close. Like I started making kissing uh, sound effect noises while because because he was that close. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, just ma- imagine uh, spocking very personal up with this gentleman. Our mind's so empty, like a sponge, needing thoughts, begging, empty, loneliness, so lonely to be sitting there empty. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, that was a bit loud. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so yeah, needless to say, this uh, this this crazy white-haired guy is uh, begging Spock to fill his various voids, while Spock is like massaging his foreheads and eyeballs with his nose. Yeah, um, it was just I I sorry I meant I meant to put that at a, mo- a more a more appropriate level. There we go. <laughs> so uh, Neil say uh, down on the down on the insane asylum, uh, Kirk wants to take a ride on the on the mind uh, mind wipotron. So uh, Doctor Noel uh, at the controls uh, basically can, you know reprograms Kirk to fall madly in love with her because they had a drunken hookup at the Christmas party. <laughs> Yeah, the previous year, and I again, I, I may be mistaken, but I think this is the only mention of Christmas in like all of Roddenberry era Star Trek. It really is. He, he was somewhat notoriously atheistic. Uh, it's just, it's just. And I mean, if, if you think that Christmas is already already extremely secular and away from its uh, from its religious roots, but still, this is the closest we. I think I think the show ever comes to meant to mentioning religion. Quote: If you want me to manufacture a lie, wrap it up as a Christmas present for you. No, I prefer honesty, and then they, you know, they kiss. And her, but again, her name is Doctor Noel, because it wasn't twee enough. No, not not, not enough. Uh, and that's when Doctor Adams storms in, and is like, ha 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 ha! I shall use this machine to make Kirk my mind slave, <laughs> and then question mark question mark question mark profit. <laughs> and so uh, a a love whammy to Kirk, uh, you know. Uh, breaks off his his, uh, his uh, brainwashing because Kirk is just that goddamn awesome, I guess. And so he uh, tells Doctor Noel to uh, shimmy through the vents, uh, you know, uh, uh, Ellen Ripley style, to yeah. get to the reactor or something and shut it off. And he says, like, I'm sure you don't know anything about electronics, uh, Doctor, but uh, if you make the, if you make the wrong move, then you will be instantly fried. So so get at it, Tiger. Slap on the bum and and. You, Pushes her into the vents. <laughs> By the way, you might die. There you go. Get 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 in there. 
And so <laughs> she she gets into a scrape in the reactor room, and somewhat uh, uncharacteristically for a wilting flower uh, female character in this show, she pump kicks a dude directly into the fuse well, box and first, fries his ass. No, but first, like when she was on the ground, she had like it was like the damsel in distress look. Mm-hmm. Like her like, her legs were like kind of ever so crossed. Her arm her was like was swooning was, in front of her. In front of her yeah, face, yeah, yeah, like right in front of her face with a open palm going oh and then um yeah she just did like a kip up and freaking blasted that guy into uh to some wires mm-hmm. so kirk re- reverses the uh the mind wipotron onto adams which uh deletes his, his brain and then he dies and then they just kind of go home the end <laughs> that's basically it um okay so let's just get to dive into this and like you know it's it's like a band-aid you just gotta rip it off so so this time um we're going to yeah review uh engineering so that's the uh, special effects no, that is really getting annoying. i don't think that was quite loud enough can you uh, a little help no, that is really getting annoying yeah it's much better um okay uh it was okay i mean it wasn't great it wasn't like like most most of it it was it was a big mm-hmm. giant bowl of okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean for for special effects the the mind wipotron was basically a a console and a dentist chair and a flashing green light sco- uh, sconce in the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it. I'm I'm looking at the images here and it's just it's literally it's exactly what that is mm-hmm. oh oh i i also like to give some uh, some uh, some props to the prop master by uh, the the cargo that they they dropped off to to the insane asylum <laughs> at the beginning was basically a giant bottle of crazy pills the size of a rolled up carpet Wait, i think i think i have i have the image <laughs> let me pull it up and and uh, i have a red shirt for size <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. so so i mean that is, that's that's a pretty big pill pill bottle. It's like it's up to the guy's ch- uh, like stomach. <laughs> it's huge. So they, they they get a point for that. But uh, other than that, I was I was kind of let down by those by the uh, special effects in this episode. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'll give it. Uh, I think we agree, we agree. We produce agreed on a five. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll go with a five on uh, on that one. So next is a fairly important category. And um, that would be uh, the bridge. So um, I think I have a, a bridge sound effect somewhere around here. Um, no, you? I don't. <laughs> wait, 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 maybe, maybe I do. Uh, Jordan, getting you started your thoughts. While I found um, I'm pretty much split right down the middle on this rather important category because that there there is, there actually is a lot to um, uh, to hold up about this. Like we said, the the first ever Vulcan mind meld. Um, as uncomfortable as that was, you can't deny the uh, the historical importance of that of that piece of slash fi- uh, sl- uh, slash fiction. Um, and uh, and again, the the you know this is the one time that Gene Roddenberry dared to mention Christmas, bah humbug. Um, and uh, and as for for acting, I have to say, uh, Kirk did did put on some pretty impressive um, you know. Uh, o faces while he was being mind wiped, as as was as was the uh, the insane patient from the, from the beginning. Man, he was acting the hell out of uh, having uh, yeah, uh, having that mind block and, and mind meld thing to, uh, thing to him. I mean, it's it's not it's not a day I'd want to have. No, but he 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 he's uh, we we definitely got our fill of the Shatner school of acting. Um, and- Evacuate bridge. Deck one, life support failure. Okay, yeah, there, so, that's, there you go. Um, the, but then again, uh, when you get to um, Dr. Adams' uh, mind-wipe cronies, um, they they don't act that much. I mean, I guess that's kind of the point, granted, because they're they're all puppets. And uh, there is this one woman named Lethe, which I'm sure is a reference to Greek mythology that's escaping me, and she has a crazy lazy eye. Um, and she's all like, "Yes, I used to be maladaptive and violent, but not anymore." <laughs> Where are you? I can't point my eyes in the same direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. She she was very uh, like, "I am here for a paycheck." Yes. 
And as for my, my, especially my, my grievous issues with the plot, I think I can save that until the very last category. But in the meantime, I, I just went right down the middle with this, uh, this category, the 15 out of 30. Yep. Um, and so I went a little bit higher. I had a 20, so we, we kind of met at, at 17. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, next is sick bay and we actually i think we had a please state the nature of the medical emergency i think we had a death death on this one yeah we, we had we had a uh, two confirmed deaths two confirmed uh, of, deaths of, of the one of the main villain who gets uh who gets his mind sucked out they sucked his brains out <laughs> and uh, then there was of course the guy that that uh, dr noel pump kicked into the fuse box I think I think that, that was that was I actually kind of forgot that happened. That was kind of awesome in the moment. I, I think uh for for for, for the, uh, the the main crew I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, for the guy who got chopped in the the first first out. I'm gonna give it a Welshie. Uh, mm-hmm. So so. Yes, the the dangerous inmate whose name was like Doctor Van Gelder or something like that. Yeah, he he gets some uh, some hammer punches on a bunch of uh, you know criminally unaware red shirts. Uh, I'm not. I, I, I I'm a little pretty sure Kirk did mention to Doctor Adams later that they weren't they weren't fatalities, but uh, yeah. Um. But and but anyway. Um. So yeah. I, I love that one guy who comes in to bolster the security of the bridge, and he he stands with his back to the door uh, into the bridge. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> smart. It's like he, you know, if he's going to come from somewhere, he's going to come from the from the view screen. <laughs> He'll build. Uh, he's probably like that. Get that chick from the ring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he can't. Can't don't, keep watching. Um, so uh, I think. Well, what was your score in this one? On uh, deaths, I gave it five out of ten. All right, and, and I was uh, a little bit lower. I only gave it like a like a four. So four point five out of ten. Uh, next, we have uh, Captain's Log. Oh, God, no! So, uh, Kirk, uh, apparently, uh, he's did not really a good job at all. Um, I, I wasn't really that impressed with, with how he handled this, uh, this episode. Um, he basically just kind of sat there and got mind-wiped until he just shrugged off his mind-wiping because he's just so goddamn awesome. Like I'm sorry, I've I've read too many Wolverine comics where Wolverine is just immune to whatever the 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 tyrannical mutant power is, just because he's so popular. And I'm kind of sick of seeing that. Yeah, it, is that the main reason why you're angry at this episode? Uh, it's part of it. Okay, so it's it's part of that. Um, yeah, you didn't give it the very the, much. The, I gave him. I thought he did a good job being mind wiped. So I I gave him like a full eight, but you ended up giving him like. Low uh, score. The, okay, the the funny faces he makes were were were, uh, were, were you know they helped, but, <laughs> they I, helped, I, but they helped I, I, I slotted that under acting, not captain's duties. Ah, you know? ah. Well, I I didn't do I I didn't. Uh, well, obviously, the I put whatever points I had in acting, but the, in terms of captain's job, yeah, we ended up uh, splitting it. I think uh, uh, he it was just a big bowl of okay five five out of ten is what where we ended up meeting. Uh, there, so uh, next is uh, is battle stations. So uh, we're gonna go ahead and uh, see if I can find an alert. I think I had one here. <laughs> you're like you're so ill prepared for your podcast, John. God mm-hmm. damn it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I am. I am. No, it, I'm, happens, I'm, it happens to me too. That, that that's why I don't broadcast live and I edit later. Yep. Yep. That is very, very true. Very, very true. Mm. Wow, that, mm. that keeps mm. on going, doesn't it? Can you folks at home guess uh, um, what episode of the BGN Comic Shop uh, Brendan had to leave for 15 minutes to, to take a particularly wicked shit? <laughs> no, you don't, because I edited that out. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> oh, snap. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, there was some action. There, there was, was some. Th- there was some. There, there, there was, there's quite a bit of, uh, quite a bit of punching, um, rolling. So, uh, yeah, um, and this one, uh, we, uh, I gave it a four. Yeah, I agree. There wasn't a lot of conflict that, that really hinged on prolonged, uh, battle sequences. It was mostly just clubbing red shirts when their, when their back was stupidly turned. So <laughs> that was pretty funny. And it started out like that though. That was pretty, pretty impressive. So, uh, next, uh, so, so I give it a four. 
four. Yeah, I I, I ended up giving. Maybe should have gone higher because because yeah, uh, uh, Noel frying that guy was. I, I I keep going back to that, don't I? It's that, it was that, it was a, that, it was a that, highlight. That, that was unexpected. It was a very very it was a very nice highlight. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but but we have to get going places, and what better way to go places is than through the transporter room? Well, is inside out. I heard that. It turned inside out, and it exploded. So um, this one, uh, I like the sets. Yeah, I actually rather like the sets too. Like the the, the point was um, was that was that this was a you know an insane asylum of the future, and it was all uh, with with you know calm teal colors and lovely foliage everywhere and, and fountains, and it was meant to be like more of a resort destination than a hospital, which um, yeah, it didn't, I think I think it, I think it looked pretty lovely actually. Sol- solid B. I think mm-hmm. an eight. Do you, mm-hmm. I think, yep. I, I, think I, I went with an eight as well. Cool, cool. All right. Uh, next is is the last one, which I, I I'm I'm really like I'm curious because I I still after after um after transport room I just started agreeing with you in some of some of these but uh, some of them um I it was it was kind of blindly. Um, yeah, so so with the final category, that is to say, aliens and or bad guys, uh, uh, out of twenty points, uh, I give it a goose egg. Um, I mean, I, maybe I should give it a one because there was a villain. Oh yeah, I do he, have it. He existed. I do have a sound effect for this Intruder one. Intruder alert on deck eight. So the, there, there's your sound effect for that one. But and, you, yeah, you and, gave and, it. A, and, to be, and to be fair, they, they they did offer up the you know the raving uh, you know psychotic inmate to make you think that he would be the villain. But that was a, that was of course uh, a classic bait and switch. Um, yeah. honestly though, it's like, uh, th- this, this is the part of the episode that I really just hated. I mean, let, let's, let's start with the, with the obvious, um, uh, the, it's, it's obvious for, for all the, all the Trek historians out there. So you're probably aware that, um, that, uh, Gene Roddenberry for all of his, uh, you know, casting couch, uh, maneuverings with all the nubile young actresses, uh, he, you know, that, that might seem kind of admirable to it, to us, uh, uh, you know, uh, to us, uh, you know, sci-fi-loving bachelor types, but it, honestly, uh, Roddenberry's uh, creative input was um, always marred by an odd naivete on his part, in that he insisted that there there would not be any any instances in the future of humans conflicting with humans. Is that not true? Is that, that that's that's a constant theme for a lot of the. Uh, you know, a lot of the, especially the earliest episodes, right? Yeah. Uh, even even the entire run on on uh, the original series that. Yeah, it's it's sort of that. Um, is, is that not why your category is aliens parentheses bad guys and parentheses? Correct. That we just assume that the aliens are always going to be the bad guys. Exactly. I mean, that's what that's why I named it that way because because you, you, half the time it is. Yeah. So I mean, I remember reading up on that before uh, or hearing that from my friend before watching the original series for the first time, and and then I said to myself, "Oh wait, so you're telling me that the that the well-regarded, uh, you know, so, you know, uh, pioneering psychiatrist, Doctor Tristan Adams, is actually going to prove to be the ultimate antagonist of this story? Uh, that, that he's using this machine to literally rewire re- people's minds and make them his slaves? Well, this is quite a, quite, you know, uh, quite a swerve." Uh, why is he doing this? Like, what, what is his ultimate goal? What, what, uh, what is his motivation? And his motivation, of course, proves to be nothing. Yeah. Why is he doing this? What what benefit does he get for enslaving his otherwise trustworthy staff? Nothing. Like, okay, so this Van this Van uh, Gelden guy, like ostensibly, he's like the the true inventor of the neural neutralizer, you know, brain washotron machine, and he said something to the effect of, uh, like, he first he first he tried to pin uh, Van Gelder's badness on on himself that he was too stubborn uh, to allow anyone else to test this, so he just fried his own brain and and uh, and bumped it up to eleven. And now he's a gibbering lunatic, you know, tut tut on him. But no, apparently Adams did this to him uh, 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 basically for fun. Like, my word, Kirk, by this, by this point, Van Gelden was, was, uh, was mewling on the floor like, uh, like, like a discarded child. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, is he just, just te- you know, testing this to better use the machine elsewhere? But in the meantime, I'd rather be worshipped like a god if it's all, all the same to you guys. Yeah, it's just... I don't get it. I, I don't either. see what his what his ultimate goal is here. I I mean, 
I I I don't know like because is money not is really a thing in, in Star Trek I, future? I, I, I'm told that there's that the money just doesn't exist anymore, which Cause, is because that's the only horrifying to think about if you you know if you don't mind my, my saying so. Yeah, I mean, I I just don't I I my brain can't process how that works, um, but I know for a fact that. Yeah, the 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 antagonist motivations were very um did, didn't was with with really without not much reason behind it or at least it wasn't explained at all. I mean, geez, even in really classically bad episodes of Star Trek, like say Charlie X or something, I understood Charlie X's motivation. Yeah, you know, or uh, um, what else? Uh, I, I, it's 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 so rare that there's a human bad guy. I can't even. I, I know there's other ones, but I, I can't even remember. Usually there is some kind of character there to to allow you to accept the conflict, but here there's just nothing, and I really didn't didn't like that. Um, and in fact, I mean, if I if I may just go go ahead to the to the other side of the argument, I think the real reason why I despise this um, this episode so much is because, and again, I'm sorry, I feel like I've already, I've already mentioned this way too many times in the, the, here in the two episodes I've been on the show. <laughs> so there's this episode of Babylon 5 um, that is, uh, it's a very well-regarded episode from the third season. The, the, the title clearly escapes me. I should have looked this up earlier, but uh, it's, it's about uh, these Franciscan monks who live on the space station. No, really. Like J-, J. Michael Straczynski was, I guess, that that uh, that much of a rebel against uh, Roddenberry's uh, atheistic uh, concepts that he actually put in like Dark Ages level re- uh, uh, religious uh, symbolism whenever he could. I-, I don't I don't get I don't get that much that much either. But anyway, so there are these like uh, you know these missionaries uh, who are uh, who are um, are on the station, and there's this one guy who is just kind of really blandly in, you know, uh, in favor of the monkly lifestyle. He's just like, I don't remember ever wanting anything else of my life than to devote my my uh, my, uh, my love and my services to God. And then uh, assassins come out of the woodwork and try to kill him. He's not really sure why this is. Well, then his boss uh, finally breaks down and, and mentions to him, okay, uh, you'll see, the, the thing is, is that you're, you were a serial killer, uh, and uh, yeah, you, you killed a bunch of women on Mars, uh, and uh, the judge sentenced you to have your brain rewired. So they invent, so they erased your old, uh, you know, evil personality and implanted a blandly benign personality instead, without your knowledge, obviously. And then you know, pat you on the bum and sent you to, to us. So when this this uh, really rich Martian dude. Whose whose wife was the last victim of this guy said like that's that's not good enough you deserve to die motherfucker and uh, the the monk's decision is you know while I feel like that person doesn't exist anymore well, not officially you know he still I'm still the shell to that which that which uh, the villain used to inhabit and if it is your decision to to uh, to to seek revenge then it allow that to be my gift to you so he let him kill him hmm. and then the rich guy was uh, you know uh, taken in by the authorities and tried as a murderer and sentenced to have his mind erased and have that same monk's personality implanted on him so that he could fill the fill the vacant position wow I really like that episode I like I like the uh, you know the speculative science fiction that is at his heart um, I, I actually like the fact that there's there's that it, it works so well despite the fact that it has like none of the of the uh, the main cast in it at all. It's it's almost like a a a, a, a one of those Doctor Light episodes of Doctor Who, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and I don't recall that there being that many other uh, other. I think there's there's only one other one in Babylon Five, and that was the one that Walter Koenig was on. So I, I think this is probably like kind of the opposite of what you know. Similar to what what Amazon does with like your shopping products, like um, is if you like this, then you'll like this. If you hated this uh, Dagger in the Mine episode, then you'll love mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Babylon Five. Um, yeah, it, what can I say? It's, it's like Dagger of the Mind has the exact same plot point as this episode, and it does literally nothing with it. Right. I think that's, that 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 is what hurts this episode in my in my mind 
yeah. so much. Um, I, I cannot, I cannot help but, but compare the two. Yeah, I mean, I with mind controlling laser devices, it's hard not to. Um, but but it, if, 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 if I may, I'd like to I'd like to leave on, on a positive note. Okay. Um, this episode, though, does you know, it actually allows me to create something of a fan theory for myself. I don't usually prescribe to most of the popular uh, fan theories out there, and I've never really taken upon myself to create my own. Hmm. However, I couldn't help but do so with uh, with Dagger of the Mind. So, uh, so Sean, you you've seen all episodes prior to this one, right? Correct. Uh, on a scale of, uh, of 1 to 10, how horny has Kirk been, generally? Well, um, I would say... Um, you know, the obvious I'll, stereotype I'll, that most people uh, that don't really follow mm-hmm. Star Trek ascribe to Kirk, and thus we're, we're delighted in the J.J. In the Abrams movies in which he's constantly having threesomes with cat girls. I think sort he, of it was a 6. I mean, he's a little bit horny, but, but he's, not, he's not like... You know, like yeah, I, maybe maybe he turns later that uh, you know like like that in season two and three, but none to mm. not my recollection. I haven't seen those episodes in forever, which is why I'm doing this show because I you know some of these I really want to revisit a lot of these Star Trek episodes and it gets to the purpose of the show actually. Um, I, I'd put it less than six. Uh, I mean, you know, he obviously had a fling with uh, Carol Marcus as, me- or not, well, they don't mention her by name, but they mentioned that pretty young blonde scientist in, uh, in uh, uh, To Boldly Go, or, or, or sorry, Where No Man's Gone Before. Um, but other than that, whenever the, whenever the, um, uh, the subject of, you know, of him establishing relationships comes up, uh, he says, as a captain of a ship, I can't allow myself to, to favor one, you know, a one person over any other, you know, I'm, right. mar- I'm married to my job and he's, he's not exactly, you know, cavalier about that. He he takes that very seriously. So in Miri, when he had, uh, you know, the immortal 16 year old girl and, uh, and, uh, and his, uh, waffle cone haired secretary, you know, just th- fling themselves bodily at him. He didn't really, you know, consummate either of those, right? No, I think I think the the last time he was like really like horny was last time he was like drunk, and mm-hmm. then that that was like where he just walked in the walked in the door and it was just like bourbon, whiskey, and he's just sitting well, there. Also, yeah, supposedly he got a little tipsy at the Christmas party. Right, uh, and Noel took it a little far. So you know, it's always a good thing when you have a psychiatrist who is uh, who is romantically obsessed with you. Hmm. So naturally, she, you know, she sees on the opportunity to use the brainwashotron to force, basically, force him to to fall in love with her. And then, like, and I guess, I guess the guy was, I guess, uh, but it's okay because the villain steps in and sort of and is, does and, her job for her. Yes, exactly. And then she's like, no. I'm like, but this is what you were doing in the first place. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it's I guess you know the, the proverbial shit had gotten proverbially real at that point, so I, I I don't I don't blame her for reneging on her you know other her selfish uh, previous desire. But here's the thing, I'm pretty sure after this episode, uh, Kirk is the you know skirt chasing you know swinging '60s bachelor that everyone always seems to remember him for. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it doesn't take till the second or third season for that to happen. It happens pretty much immediately after this episode, lending credence to a fan theory that the brainwashotron was more successful than uh, Doctor Noel anticipated it to be, and Ooh. that she actually re- you know rewired his personality into a, into that, something something more more akin to a horn dog. I'll I'll keep in mind I'll keep in mind that because because I, I, that's something I can trace back to this to this to this episode because mm-hmm. yeah that that I like I like that theory. Yeah, well, I, I'm glad I was able to uh, to help in some small way. All right, thank you, thank you so much, Jordan. Well, um, the the total score was it was a 43.5. I because which was, because which we was were almost, such a fan, almost as good as Miri, honestly. <laughs> because we were such a fan of of the guy getting electrocuted, I uh, I swung it up a a half point, so uh, 44 got a 44 out of 100, mm-hmm. so we got an F. Very very bad. But um, I'm satisfied. <laughs> but like I'm, I'm satisfied with it. Uh, well, uh, Jordan, uh, I guess uh, we'll, let's go through some just some plugs here. Um, so I guess plug plug whatever you have again. 
Okay. As you did last episode. Oh, certainly. Well, um, I am the co-host of uh, the BGN Comic Shop, um, our uh, our show about uh, comic book uh, you know, um, uh, news and uh, movie news and reviews that I host with my good friend uh, Brendan Michelli, he of the uh, famously edited out Wicked Shits. Hmm. Um, and I also uh, host uh, the Story Mode, which is a podcast about stories in video games and stories about video games. And I certainly love uh, giving to you, the, uh, the listening audience. Um, I like to say I still uh, pitch in with uh, the main show, Bully Going Nowhere, on occasion. Uh, yeah, he does. Uh, he's uh, he's being uh, you're helping with the Twitch, which the Twitch stream. So if you're if you're ever on the Twitch stream during Boldly Going Nowhere, you're usually um, most times at the helm mm-hmm. um, when you can, uh, which we appreciate you for that. Um, oh, thank you. And I'm I'm toiling. Uh, um, uh, Constantly to uh, resurrect uh, Geek Critique, my video review show, mm-hmm. which which is as hard as it is to edit uh, podcasts. Trust me, editing uh, you know video Videos shows are considerably, is considerably more. Uh, uh, and and you did uh, review a episode of Star Trek, yep. which I I know I'll I'll plug a plug when we uh, when we go into the episode. Um, I'll no. plug it highly, more highly when we get in the episode, but you do review Cat's Paw. Yes, um, my fourth episode ever was my review of uh, Cat's Paw, in which I, I believe I actually did mention that I don't consider Cat's Paw to be the worst episode ever, Cough, Dagger of the Mind, Cough, which is, I guess, why I'm here today. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, you know, you can find uh, me on uh, uh, Twitter, Sean L. Holmes, that's S-E-A-N-S-E-A-N-L-H-O-L-M-E-S. Uh, also, you can go to castmeestudios.com slash Amazon and bookmark it for all your shopping needs. No cost to you. Saves us a bunch of money uh, and uh, saves you a bunch of money and helps it helps our studio at, at the same time. So go ahead and do that and uh, go and tune to Boldly Going Nowhere on, um, on Thursday nights uh, starting around like 7.30, 7, 7.30-ish. Sometimes we start a little later. <laughs> Um, so, uh, for Jordan Hazelwood, that's me, and I'm your captain, Sean Holmes, and you've been listening to the Prime Directive, Live Long, and Podcast. <laughs>